welcome to part two of the Metabytes podcast, where I'm going to be honest here and say that I stuffed up the first one. Myself and Tim Brown, welcome from Thank Aussie you. Natural Spring We're Water. Well practice now. We sat for I don't know, was it 45 minutes or Good so, and, and yeah. chatted about stuff, and you know, went through questions and went deep on topics, yeah. and I went to. Pr- what I did at the beginning, I changed the batteries and didn't press record when I cranked the machine back up. Classic technical error. Classic technical error. Yep. You should always have a backup. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the key. Absolutely. But Tim Brown, thank you for Pleasure. <laughs> entertaining me the <laughs> second time. We yep. thought we'd crack it, go straight back into it this afternoon. Or do the gin and tonic version. <laughs> I think we should definitely do that at some stage. Um, Managing Director of Aussie Natural Spring Water. Um, give us a little bit of your background. Um, so my background initially, um, uh, as a kid, schooled in Perth, uh, went to uh, Scotch College, followed uh, in my dad's footsteps. He was a Scotch College boy. Okay. And um, he thought it'd be good for me to go there. I did cop a lot of grief for going to the... Um, the private school and uh, okay. it really didn't do that many that many good things for me but <laughs> I did love the sport and um, and uh, built a great network yep. so I built a yep. great network uh, we'd like we talked about before the one degree of separation oh and yeah it's pretty Paris, much starts yeah. off at school <laughs> it's a big networking group it's yeah. a big networking group yeah, yeah. yeah. so from there I uh, finished up school uh, variety of jobs and bits and pieces as a as a young guy um, Never really ever had a job for someone else. Always worked for myself. Yep, yep. So I spent the first couple of years out of school running a, uh, a gardening business, um, always getting a couple of my mates to come and give me a hand and yep. uh, earn some, help me earn some extra money. And <laughs> uh, went from there into the mining industry for quite a few years Yep. and ran like a junior sort of exploration team. Yeah, okay. Yep. Which was... It was a great way to see Western Australia. Um, I got to travel up and down oh, wow, from okay. around Kalgoorlie, three, four hundred k's east of Kalgoorlie, yep. just in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Uh, back in those days, we pretty much lived in uh, a swag or a tent. Yeah, okay. And had no power, no running water, no fridge, <laughs> no nothing. Yeah. So uh, I got to learn what it was like to uh, you know walk in really high temperatures um, live by the campfire uh, cook you know pretty much sit around the campfire every night with a couple of mates of mine yep. and it was a really good way to spend probably from 23 to about 27 yep. um, got to go into places up in the Kimberleys uh, past sort of old Aboriginal sites and really got to see some amazing things. It actually gave me a great appreciation for um, our country and, yep, yep. and also how tough some jobs are and how tough some people do them. Yeah, so, definitely, yeah. Uh, it made it much easier for me when I came back to an office-style job because yeah. <laughs> I'd really done as hard a job as you could do. <laughs> so you've always had that sort of drive to sort of work for yourself, I suppose, right? From you, We talked before about... Um, when you were a young kid, your <laughs> your first business uh, business venture in the library at school. Can you yeah, explain my, a little bit about that? Yeah, my very first one was uh, as a year six kid. Um, not very flash at reading myself at that stage, <laughs> but we used to have a reading period 
I think it was probably two or three times a week. And the one thing I did notice was the whole, there was a little, like, the little opportunity in the market where other kids turned up without their books. And if you turned up without a book, you got sent out to stand under the clock, which was basically the equivalent of your detention back yeah, in those yeah, days. Yeah. And I thought, well, there's got to be a buck to made here. So I started bringing in magazines and uh, and comics and books and would quietly see who looked like they were about to get themselves into trouble and <laughs> do a quick deal with them for sort of 20 cents at a time. Yeah, yeah. And that'd be enough for me to buy some lollies on the way home. So uh, very quickly I got known in the class that you could pretty much rock up without your book <laughs> and just part with 20 cents and yeah. you had whatever you needed. Yeah. And uh, I made some okay money in year six. I was yeah, pretty yeah. happy at bit 20, a, you know. Bit of an entrepreneur in the making. Dollar a period, I reckon, I was making. So <laughs> <laughs> I was doing okay. So it was an interesting start. After that, we obviously, I, I had a gardening business for a few years and that was really just filling time and trying to really understand where I wanted to be and what yeah. I wanted to do. Did you always want to work for yourself though? Is that something that was always sort of foremost in your mind sort of when you were? I think I just liked not having to answer to someone else really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, you know, I grew up in a household where uh, with a dad as a football player, um, he was the coach and he was the coach of uh, lots of footy players that were really yep. big guys and they yep. all did what he said and we kind of all did as well so yeah, okay. <laughs> I was pretty happy to work for myself and just do what I wanted to do Yeah, yeah. Um, but it also taught me I think probably my best lessons of how to manage people at a really early age because from 18 on I pretty much had someone working for me from 18 through to now Wow, okay. Yep. There's been very small windows in my entire life that I haven't had someone uh, working for me. Yep, yep. And it's something I've noticed within our business now is that not everyone's capable of being in charge. Yep. Some people just uh, they can't deal with the pressure of it. Yeah, yeah. And there's, I've realised there's lots of doers and there's lots of people that are happy to ask someone to do it. Yeah, yeah. So you and think that growing up in, in a household, your dad obviously being Mal Brown, um, ex-footballer and coach... Yeah. Do you think that that sort of instilled in you that sort of, um, what would the word be? Um, I suppose the way with people and the way to sort of um, organise or... Yeah, I think, and Mel was also one of the greatest handballers of a job you've ever seen. <laughs> I, even to this day, I could barely say I've seen him do very many things. Yeah, yeah. He is really good at getting someone else to do it. Uh -huh, He's a okay. master of it. Yeah, yeah, which so obviously learned, rubs onto you a little bit then. It does, but because of that, I learned how to do everything as a kid. Yeah, pretty hands-on. So hands -on. I was cleaning the pool, I was chopping the wood, I was lighting the fire, I was using the chainsaw at nine, <laughs> uh, including the day that I cut his thumb nearly off with it, which oh, he wow. was teaching me. Ouch. But I have spent my whole life uh, pretty much, yeah, sort of having someone there, but I've never been someone that just stood back and... Uh, ask people to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Yeah, okay. Which so, is the, the, the ideal boss, isn't it? Somebody that's been there, done that, been in the trenches and can... Yeah. And I think here in this business, we have all pretty much done everything. We yep. don't ever sit around and go, I want you to do this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I haven't done it myself. Yep. Um, there is things now that I can't do because I don't have the technical experience to run some of the machines. Yep. But there's not much I haven't do... Haven't haven't done in the way of hands-on style jobs. 
delivering, and chucking stuff in the ute, going, going to see clients. I was delivering some water this morning, which nearly killed me, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> I have done a bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. So the beginnings of Aussie Natural, what was the sort of, what was the start? When did it, when did it begin? So the beginnings of Aussie Natural were <clears throat> sort of born out of um, uh, my family had moved to Melbourne when I was about 21. Yep. And my dad had gone to work for Richmond Footy Club. And uh, as part of his job there, it was working for a friend of his who was the CEO of Carlton United Breweries at the time. Yep. So Mal had gone there kind of as, uh, I suppose, as the enforcer uh, <laughs> to work on the board. Yeah. And within about a month, I'm pretty sure the entire Richmond Footy Club board basically said it's either him or all of us. Okay. And at that point of time, he had to move sideways. Yep. But his friend was setting up a water business at the time. So he had started putting together a water business uh, in Victoria. Pretty good size. They were making good money. And they had a bit of a plan between them that they wanted to expand up to New South Wales. At the same time, there was a mining company that was a copper miner. Price of copper was terrible. And they had morphed from the copper mining business into a water business. Of course. <laughs> so as you do, back, as it happened back then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in the end, what happened was they morphed the Victorian business together with the Queensland business and pulled together something in New South Wales. But at the t- same time, he had come to me and said, look, this is what we're thinking about doing. And we're thinking about coming to WA uh, if you're interested. So I was partway through an MBA and um, I thought it seemed like a pretty good idea so I then spent uh, the next probably year and a half finding water sources uh, got introduced to my business partner Craig Johnston who was the uh, industry guy he knew water he was the Uh, the water man in Perth he was the water guy and obviously Alan Scott who you obviously knew as well yeah Alan and Craig were the beginnings of water at Berry. So these okay. guys were yep. the guys that pretty much when people said, do you reckon you could ever sell a bottle of water? It's impossible. <laughs> these two were basically selling water. Yeah, yeah. So Craig and I got together. He knew where there was um, a couple of possible water sources. We sort of formed up a company over the course of about the next year. Yeah. Uh, while I was doing the MBA, uh, every unit we went to and they said, has anyone got any ideas for something to do? I'd put up my hand and go, I'm thinking about a water business. Would anyone like to join me in uh, writing a paper on it? Okay. So I wrote probably four papers on it. I did wow. a finance paper, yeah, I did yeah, a corporate yeah. finance. I did an HR unit on there and a marketing paper as well. So by the time we got to the point that Palm Springs were going to come to WA. We were pretty much ready to go. Yep. And we had a water source and a company set up, and um, that was the beginnings of the water business. Yeah, and a plan in, plan in place as well. So a five-year plan, you said as well. Like you knew, you knew how you were going to grow. Like, yeah. Because uh, you're talking about you had your first truck, and you knew that once that was at capacity in regards to filling it up with water, yeah. you needed to go to the next stage. So we knew in order to get size and scale, it was never we never had a plan of let's up a water business and just get a just, truck and <laughs> just see what it. happens yeah. <laughs> yeah it was very much a five-year plan of growth to get to a size uh, probably in the early days in the first five years we'd really planned on 
probably building the business up and selling it off ah, okay. in the first five yep. and yep. probably selling it back to Palm Springs had been the plan. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. So um, the plan really went for five years. Wow. Uh, once we got to the end of the five years and it was turning in a fractionally different direction, we probably had the next few years where we just continued along and we had our yearly plans, but we didn't really have a big picture. Yeah, okay. Um, we, we ran into a, a spot where um, Palm Springs was getting bought out by Coca-Cola. Yep. And as part of that process, Coke were, everything basically went on hold. So yep. Palm Springs were trying to sell, Coke were trying to buy them. And we thought, well, the best thing for us to do is to put an offer in for WA and see what happens. And I don't know why on earth we thought that might work, but, <laughs> but we put an offer in and we sat back and waited and Coke didn't manage to get them. But by that point, they really needed to sell. Yeah, so okay. they sold WA off, South Australia off and Northern Territory off, and we got WA. Yeah. So after that, we actually then went on a fairly kind of aggressive campaign of buying other businesses, yeah. which we probably bought another five after that yep landing us at a point in time where there are basically only four people left yep. uh, in the game in Western Australia so at that point we um, Coke wanted to uh, look at buying us because we still had the Palm Springs name that they had yep. paid a fortune for in every other state but <laughs> we were still holding the name in yep. WA yep and um, they wanted to buy either us or another business called Aussie Natural. Yep. And at that point of time, they couldn't have both because of the ACCC. They could only have one of us. Uh, and I didn't really want to sell, but I really wanted the other business as well. Yeah, okay. So um, I asked them to sit tight for a week and uh, let me have a bit of a think about their offer. <laughs> yeah. And while I was thinking about their offer, I drove straight down to Canning Bale and talked to the owner down there and he said I don't want to sell to them and I said well I'd still like to buy you yep and so we ended up buying that business and then letting Coke know that they weren't able to buy us or the other guys because we were staying together and putting both together yeah okay so back in those days I think Never Fail or Coke were about probably 30 trucks on the road wow okay. and we were probably about five okay but we went from five to 12 fairly quickly yep and then as time's gone on uh, they're probably you know they're probably down into the 15s and we're probably at the tens because the market in oh, that area okay. shrunk down yeah 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 uh, but we've added products on as we've gone along and yep. that was how we ended up kind of at the size we were was uh, a sequence of lots of little businesses yep that we amalgamated in and got all the names with them and then the one big purchase of Aussie Natural. Yeah, and there's been a big transition, I suppose, over the last eight years or so in water usage in in the world, mm. <laughs> globally, in, in regards to... Because you obviously didn't do bottled, sort of bottled water to begin with. It was all home and office supplies. Yeah, so in the, in the beginnings, we were 15 litres and home and office yep. deliveries and water coolers, and that was basically all we did. Once we bought Aussie Natural... Um, they had a couple of different bottling lines running. We only bought them because we wanted the 15 litre business yep. and we justified the whole buy based on that part of the business. Yep. Yep. But once we um, got all the equipment and bits and pieces in, they had this little old bottling line that <laughs> Craig and I looked at and just thought, 
what do you reckon? Should we turn that on? <laughs> Give it a and go. And he, we both looked and went, oh, I don't see how hard could it be. It's water in a bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we um, we decided to plug it in and turn it on and didn't really realise what we were getting ourselves into. Yep. But from that, we managed to get um, uh, the 10 litre business up and running. So yep. the 10 litre kind of uh, fridge packs that go yeah, through okay. Coles yep. and Woolies. Yep. Uh, an Audi on all the rest of them. So we got that line running as well as uh, Craig went to Coles and Woolies and to Metcash and said, look, we can bottle for you here. And we ended up getting basically all of their business because there was no one else really doing it. Yeah. So we really got we got lucky that time because we really didn't have any intentions of setting up a small water business. Yeah but managed to find a hole in the market before it had started. Yeah, yeah. Where there was no one else doing it in WA. Yeah. So they were all begging to have someone do it. So, yeah, yeah, we kind of got a good start. And it's interesting when I think back to that point in time because that was the whole market. Yep. So what we were doing on our little 60 bottle a minute (laughs) line (laughs) one bottle a minute yeah Yeah, we're literally making like three cases of water uh, every every minute and that was all we could make yeah where now we make a pallet in three minutes yeah and uh the scale with we make a pallet in three minutes now with four guys yeah and back then we used to make three packs in a minute (laughs) and uh that used to be with about eight guys jesus so um, the, those guys now are working in different parts of the business because pretty much the guys that came over with us when we bought Aussie Natural, yep. uh, uh, most of them are still with us. Yeah, most, wow. of, most of those employees, we've still got uh, quite a few 10, 11, and 12 up to about 14-year-old employees. Oh, wow. So that shows a, a good culture. The There's a good culture involved there. Yeah, and we've got, and that's spread across the 15-litre home and office yep. side as well as the production side. Yep. That's so we've brilliant. had guys since they were uh, probably 16 and are now 23s and 4s <laughs> and 5s. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been... A, so we're, what are we, 16 years in. Yeah, okay. And that, obviously, that first bottling... Um, uh, bottling machine is out of commission now I suspect is it yeah <laughs> all gone every part of it <laughs> yeah we moved that on to a, a friend in Victoria and yeah, he okay. was keen to give it a go yeah uh, we bought another one of which that went up to about 120 or 50 bottles a minute yep and we thought well we can fill this up we've definitely made it yep and we filled that up within about two years yep and then we um, we sort of got uh, we had a the market changed. We were going faster and we were making more, but we were, it was the first time we got to experience the pressures that sometimes come from uh, some of the unnamed supermarkets. Yeah, yeah. Where because we had borrowed more money to make more for them, yep. they knew we owed more money. <laughs> so they came back and said, we're going to need the product cheaper. Wow, okay. And it was the first time we yep. actually went, Oh no, I didn't see that coming. Oh, so okay. it was a great lesson in business where we realised you needed to sit there, either show less cards, yeah, okay. or sit there with enough strength yourself to not be bullied around on it. Yeah, okay. So um, we uh, at that point of time were bottling pretty much all of the stuff that was being done in WA, uh, but was still very very small, and it was about the same time that the GFC hit. And 
uh, Fiji Water had been owned by an American family or maybe your equity partners in um, in the US. Yep. When the GFC hit, it basically cut their business down by about 60%. And they had a bottling line there that was underutilized. And we saw it as part of a being part of a buying group called Abex. And they said, look, you might as well go have a look at it and see what it's like. So that line was um, our major turning point. Yep. So we went to Fiji and purchased this uh, blow fuel line. <laughs> yeah. And that was basically the thing that changed everything after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you obviously you brought, how many containers did you say that it came across? I think in? it was about 12 containers. That's ridiculous. So yeah. we, we really went there. We ran some numbers on how we thought it might work. Yep. We were willing to pay nearly double what we paid for it, okay. uh, but got there, saw it, completely underestimated how long it would take to pull it apart and get it mm. back here, but managed to buy it for half the price, thank God. <laughs> okay. So um, we put an offer down. We thought, God, if they accept this, we're definitely in business. Yeah, yeah. And then they accepted it, and the next day we had to figure out how to pay for it. So uh, <laughs> we very quickly had to figure out who was going to give us some money so we could get yep. started. We came back to Perth, <clears throat> moved buildings. So we moved from four little buildings into one big building, uh, which is where we are today. Yep, yep. And we went from literally 4,000 metres of land to about 20,000 metres of land. Oh, okay. It's a big, <laughs> a big change. And I think we had about 20... We might have had 2,000 metres of warehouse, and now we would have probably more like 7,000 metres. Yeah, okay. So yep. it was a big transition. Yeah, and that was about five years ago, the move? Six, yeah, six. six years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. From sunny Malaga up to <laughs> yeah, sunny yes. Wangara. Yeah, we'd pretty much taken over the street in Malaga with yep. four buildings, and we'd upset all of our neighbours. So we had no <laughs> choice but to move in yeah, yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but now we've got a property that... We have great separation for traffic. Yep. We have... Um, yep. It's kind of... Cus- feels like it's sort of custom made for the business, doesn't it? It's yeah. A, it's a funny old building. Yeah. It's the... Probably, I reckon, the last brick and tile building. <laughs> it's a lot of brick. It's a lot of bricks. <laughs> yeah. And it's the... Whenever people say, where are you in Wangara? I say, look on Google Maps and just open it up enough that you can see the buildings <laughs> yeah. and look for the biggest C-shaped building yeah. in Wangara, yeah. and it's this one. <laughs> you can see it on every Google Maps. Yeah, yeah, and there's room for expansion here as well, obviously. I mean, there's a bit of, bit of spare land. Yeah, we've got enough. Um, we've slowly over the course of time taken every warehouse that's on the property. Yep. Um, and obviously, it's obviously a big C-shape, so it works well for flow for us. Yep. Uh, the tankers and... Uh, all the trucks and the semis can drive through all day. Um, we have a big section of bush in the middle to expand and put another building onto. Be uh, like admin stuff, or would it be uh, more warehouse? Yep, yep. What we don't, what you don't see here is um, we've got another third-party warehouse down in Kewdale holding uh-huh, the same okay. as what we've got here. Uh-huh, so we've got okay. double this again yep. elsewhere. Yeah, so that service is obviously the southern southern regions or is it just purely overflow? Um, <laughs> it's overflow, yeah. yeah. It's purely stock for um, a couple of big supermarkets. Yeah, okay. So in order to make sure we got their contract right, we um, just built a lot of stock for them. Wow, okay. Built a lot of stock for them. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been running 24-7 since... Um, 
August. Yeah, because you don't obviously just do the Aussie natural brand. You you do a whole range of different brands for, for different supermarkets yeah. and, and different areas. Yeah, so we do lots of different sizes. We do all the sizes from uh, 350ml, 600, 1.5, 6-litre, yep. 10-litre, 12 and 15s. Wow. Yep. So every size that's in the market. Uh, and we do quite a few of the different brands. So yep. Aussie Natural is our main home brand. Yep. And then we obviously do some contract packing stuff yeah, as well. Yeah. So we, we bottle for a few of the um, supermarkets. Yeah. What about the, the ultra important stuff that you're putting into your product, the water? Yeah. Where, where's the, what's the story behind the water? Where do you source it from? <clears throat> so the water, um, the water sources have varied a lot over the course of time. Uh, one of the things we noticed in the first two months of the business, we went to buy a water business that had a property and had a spring. Yep. And we went there one day, saw it, saw the water, and thought, here's a good start. Yep. The yep. next day, the spring no longer ran anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and we very quickly realized that these springs were really susceptible. Yeah, um, yeah. up against nature, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, because you don't know what is going to stop the water source from yeah, working okay. yep. or when. So uh, we ended up with multiple sources sitting on in different suburbs with different councils with different power grids yep. so which we did for a reason so we we had <clears throat> two sources in serpentine um, one out in the open one sort of in a bit of forest and that sat on a power grid down around Pinjarra yep. so that if a storm came through and took out the power plant down there we still had the other sources the other two sat up in Bedford Dale in amongst the trees they looked fantastic, they were great water, but there was a fire there yep. every year. <laughs> okay. So every time there was a fire, we got knocked out. Yeah, okay. Yep. So, uh, and it was only because we repetitively got knocked out from the different sources as we grew that we ended up going up to Jinjin, yeah. which yep. is where we are now. And you're saying that's where most of the water in WA is now sourced from, from other companies as well? <clears throat> yeah, so uh, Coca-Cola and... Uh, Schweppes are all pulling in the sort of similar area. Yeah. So they're all really close together. Yeah. It's really good water. It's really it comes from fairly deep sources. Yep. And it's the first place I've actually ever been where you can stand at the fence line and you can look at the stream going past oh, you. Oh wow, okay. And then you can look over to the right about fifty meters and it's all nice and green. Yep. But really slow moving. Yep. And then you can look another 50 metres past that and it's just dirt padding. Yeah, okay. So it's actually the beginnings. And I'd never seen one. It's actually the beginnings of the stream. So it's where <laughs> the stream begins. Yeah, is, okay. Uh, we don't basically take, we don't take from the stream itself. Yep. Um, but there's a reservoir underneath and we basically pull from uh, deeper down so that we're sort of getting a safer, less contaminated, uh, cleaner version yeah, of the yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, oh, Very good, very good. So what about the, the industry itself? I mean, obviously you've been through, when you started up the business, you were doing just the office um, deliveries and then the, 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 the global rise of bottled water came, into, came yep. into play. What can you see sort of over the next five or so years being some of the, the, the biggest changes in the industry? Um, look, the, the market itself has changed a lot since we've been in it. Yep. Uh, we started out where it was pretty much a, a 15 litre home and office supply and Coke and sort of um, Coke and probably Pepsi were the two biggest players. Yep. 
and they had all the water yep. and no one would have dreamed that you could have possibly slipped into that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but since then, it's become a real commodity item where yep. people are now using water as a lost leader to go into store, yep. not milk like they used to. It yeah. used to be milk and bread. Yep. It's now spring water. <laughs> so we yep. quite often see our product for sale at a near-on cost price. Yep. And they're going through a lot of water and it's um, it's just become a real consumable these days. Yep. So one of the interesting things we saw in the early days was when the GFC hit, we thought this is going to be the end of the world. But all we saw was people reducing their spend of the home and office delivery yep. and increasing their spend on 10-litre bottles. Yep. <clears throat> so the 10-litre bottles are sold through the supermarkets, yep. priced a little bit better. Yep. But you've got to go and pick them up yourself. Yep. And um, we so now we can actually we really start seeing the shifting through the product ranges. Yep. Depending on where we're at in the market. Yeah. Okay. So every time we have a bit of a lull in WA through say mining, yeah. <laughs> we will see the home and office delivery side probably come down again. Yep. But we'll see the supermarkets go back up. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's funny these days. I I think everybody in every suburb, whether it be lower or higher socioeconomic sort of areas, yep. all drink water. Yep. We notice different things being consumed in different areas. Like we can't, in say some of the Western suburb shops, we would see Aussie Natural uh, not even moving off the shelf. Okay. But we would see another brand that we also make, which is <laughs> the same, really interesting. Okay. selling on the same shelf. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. they look at the Aussie Natural brand and go, well, that's a bit, you know, a bit cheap for me. That's interesting. Uh, but they okay. will drink the bottle of water next to it. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So it's interesting looking on the shelf some days because I won't point out the brands, but we can sit there and look <laughs> on the shelf and you will see the consumer walk in. Yeah. And you, I quite often I'm kind of a strange guy standing in the water aisle for too watching long, people, watching yeah. people, and you'll see. And someone, you haven't been arrested yet, obviously. Uh, not as yet, no. <laughs> uh, you'll see someone walk in and grab, uh, you know, a black and gold brand, and yep. you'll see someone else come in and grab their home brand, while you see someone else looking for, you know, what they think's more them. Yeah, yeah, that's and, really interesting. And our, we sell different volumes in different suburbs. Yep. And it's the areas that have got a lot more money yep. and not the areas we sell our water in. That's interesting. So you were probably selling Fiji waters and <laughs> yep. uh, and probably the more premium brands are being sold there. Yeah, okay. So it's, I've, where it goes next, um, I'd say the container deposit scheme will have an impact on bottled water. Yeah, which, which is similar to the South Australia setup <laughs> with the 10-cent exactly. deposit. Yeah, and it's something that no one really knows about here or has put too much thought to. Yep. Uh, it's something that's obviously a, a great political um, buy-in, yeah. feel-good yep. kind of yep. style item. They, uh, they're not really quite sure what to do with all the excess product they're going to get. Yep. Um, some of the manufacturers at the moment use 100% recycled plastic in their bottles, yep. which is really what we should be targeting. Yep. Yep. So being in Australia and being effectively on the island we should be reusing the products and the plastics yep. that we've got yep. and what's happening is we're gathering them through the container deposit scheme we can't remanufacture them so we're sending them offshore ah, okay 
other companies, uh, other countries are manufacturing and reprocessing. Yeah. And then selling it back to us. But really, we should be keeping it. Here. So we're talking about the kind of the the industry and where it's sort of heading. Um, and I mean, there is has been a big sort of change in in sort of consumer sentiment. I suppose you would you would call it from an environmental point of view. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I think in the early days we were. Uh, the guys producing the health product mm. because we weren't producing a soft drink, it wasn't yep. a juice. Uh, but in the last two years, it's really transitioned over yep. to uh, being a plastic, you know, bottled water industry. Yep. Yep. I think there's been so much PR and so much marketing, and so many people uh, seeing the plastic bottles in Indonesia and. And, you know, there's the plastic bags and we've really yeah, gone yeah. down a road now. Plastic, where plastic, plastic. <laughs> we've got rid of spoons, we've got <laughs> yeah. rid of straws. Yeah. Uh, the bottled water is just there in the target as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. But there's no real solution. Um, everyone is sort of not wanting to drink from the plastic bottle, but they've got to drink from somewhere because <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. no one really wants to drink from the tap either. Yeah, that's uh, it. Yep. They've, they've decided that they like bottled water they want to consume bottled water. Yeah. Uh, everyone loves the taste of it. They love it's clean. They love it's healthy. Yeah. They're not quite sure where they're going to get it from if yep. they don't have plastic bottles anymore. So I think there's a real gap in the market of what people are going to do to get their water. Yeah. So yep. I think there'll always be plastic bottles. Hopefully, if we educate properly and people learn to recycle, yep. <clears throat> then we'll end up in a you know far better position where we'll have recycled product here and. The industry can continue. Yeah, yeah, and you—I take it—you guys are on top of the the plastics industry and what's happening, and new technologies coming out. And I mean, it must be changing by the by the month. I would have thought. I think it is, uh, and there's certainly new products that are going to be out there. But the market has changed as well that it's a very cheap product. Yeah, yeah. These days, it's mass produced, produced really fast, really cheap. Yeah. Uh, lighter weight plastics. And because of that, you can't. There's not enough money in it to for, to be a glass product, yep. or yep. to be in uh, a ca- a carton, or um, there's no other way to do it. Yep, yep. And the funny thing is, people really want to have. They want less plastic. Yeah, yep. So by rights, they should be happy with a really light, lightweight bottle. Yeah. But then they go to open the lightweight bottle and it spills in their hands and they <laughs> yeah. decide that I really want a lightweight bottle. <laughs> yeah. They yep. want the heavy bottle because it feels good. Yeah. So yep. there's lots of contradictions running around the yep. whole plastics game at the moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think the best thing we can do, uh, from, from my opinion and my experience within the industry itself, yep. would be to make the bottles lighter to make sure that um, everyone still gets uh, a great product, nice water, at a good price, yep. with less plastic, and then we recycle the plastic. If we yep. did that, I don't think we'd really have a problem. Yeah, yeah. Very good, very good. This is a question I ask everybody on the podcast, and this is the second time I'm going to ask you this <laughs> in the last hour and a half. Yep. Um, I hope I got the same answer. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't record the first one, no. so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nobody's ever going to hear it. Um, if you were starting up from scratch again, you in the, in the back shed, you're like, I'm going to start up a, a bottled water company or a water company, and you only had ten grand. Where would that money go? 
I think if you were going to start again, um, I'd probably just buy a handful of bottles. I'd keep it very simple. I would filter the water from the backyard and then bottle it myself, which is pretty much how the water industry in Western Australia started. <laughs> yeah, Everybody yeah. that was initially bottling, including half the guys we bought, were effectively uh, that style scenario. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They were a guy with a van and um, a handful of bottles and some caps. Yeah. And they were sterilizing their bottles and they were pretty much taking the water, filtering yep. it, running it through UV, which is pretty much the same situation you have now of what we do we take it in yeah. a bigger tanker yeah uh, we put it through more filters more uv yep. hold it test it make sure it's sterile clean environment yep but the process is pretty much the same we've just yep. got more steps <laughs> and there's still guys uh, around town now that live up in the hills that have got great water sources that bottle water for their mates yep and yep. you know, make a bit of pocket money, <laughs> and yeah, you know, brew, you know, brew their home brew, and um, do all sorts of things because they've got a spring on <laughs> their probably property. Some good tasting home brew. It's probably some thought. good home brew out there. <laughs> Absolutely, that's what we all need: is the craft brewery. Definitely, definitely. And I think I mean that's a big push, isn't it, as well in the consumer market? Is that sort of craft side of things? People kind of like there's a yeah. there's a warm fuzzy feeling people get it. with the craft and craft brewing itself has been I mean massive over the last ten years and globally as well. U.S., Canada, yeah. craft brewing companies, and I think it's one of those things that people love something that's a little uh, more unique and you know a small closed pool. And if it's yeah, yeah. it's like the gin's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. If it's just a little manufacturer, um, I had a guy on the weekend explain to me that the craft brewer was just the brewer that had just started <laughs> before he got big enough, which is what his goal actually yeah, was, yeah, before yeah. he no longer became a craft brewer. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. A lot of the craft breweries have now been bought by sort of international, co- yeah, international companies. I didn't mm. even realise... Um, Feral Brewing Company was owned by a, an international company as well, but they allowed the guys in the Swan Valley to keep the rights to to the recipes and allow them to brew their own recipes still, right. which is really interesting. That's good. Yeah, so the beer you have out in Swan Valley is actually their own brew, brewing, but the mm. the stuff you get in the shops is is it's sort different. of still under the brand, but um, brewed elsewhere. Right, interesting. Yeah, because I do like their beers more there on the weekend, <laughs> <laughs> so I do. It's, it's one of those things that people love it while it's small yep. and it is micro. Yeah. And uh, I, look, I don't know how you capture that within brands. Maybe that's a direction the water industry can go where you're better off having more little brands. Yeah. Um, yep. Like they probably have in, say, uh, Southeast Asia or in Hong Kong. Yeah, okay. Yep. yep. Lots of little brands. Yep. Lots of varying price points, different bottles. I'm not quite sure whether the consumer's willing to pay the extra money, but they <laughs> yeah. are for the well, craft beers. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, what getting for a four-pack sometimes twenty-two, twenty-three dollars, which back in the like. day, I mean, <laughs> you, your dad would be like, <laughs> I know. I was trying to explain to someone on the weekend when we went to Feral Brewing yeah. that I used to buy a twenty-five-dollar carton, and then it was a forty-dollar carton, and then I'd nearly got my head around <laughs> the fact that I bought an eighty-five-dollar Sierra Nevada carton, oh. and now it's a fifty-dollar six-pack. And yeah. that's the way it's going. It's ridiculous. Because now ridiculous. every beer you end up going in and buying 
six individual beers yeah yep. because the flavors are all different and people love the diversity oh definitely Same but i think aussie natural do have a kind of a kind of craft feel because it is a family-owned and wa business it's not owned yeah. by some international it's not owned by the rothschilds or anybody like that yeah. it's a you know i think you, you guys still have that and it's a people place you know it is yeah that's where we had the photo shoot yesterday and i mean i met a lot of people around here and it is it's the faces it's the people involved in the business that that make it and i think that's how we probably got to where we are because everyone here uh, knows us they uh, all the staff know we've worked in different spots of the business the staff yep. know that in the very very beginning it was just craig and myself pretending to be way way bigger than we were <laughs> and there weren't yeah and there's a there's a great photo that is going to go up in the boardroom when we uh when we find it yeah okay and it was an interview done for uh, i think the financial review of the business setting up in wa and they came to do the photo shoot for it. <laughs> so we had to get them to back. We backed the truck right into the back corner of the warehouse. Yep, yep. And we put one cage of water there and Craig and I stood in front of it. But what they didn't realize was we only had the one truck and we only had about six cages of water. Yeah. And there were only the two of us. Yeah. But at the time, it looked like there was really something bigger going on. And <laughs> we tried our best to, you know, build a, uh, you know, make it, make it look bigger than it was to help us get somewhere. But these days it's more about um, a handful of people and, yeah. and they all yeah. know that we did it from the very, very beginning. Yeah, yeah. And plans uh, for the future, next couple of years for Aussie Natural itself. As you said, you've got room for expansion here, so. Yeah, I'm not sure. We've, um, uh, look, we've thought about the Eastern States market. Um, yeah, okay. My brother, li- my brother and sister both live in Melbourne, yep. and they're both part of the business. Yeah, okay, yep. Uh, not active at all, yep. but uh, both shareholders in the business. And there's two other shareholders here in Perth that are active in the company. Okay. So between us all, um, look, we've, we like the market here, and we've got good coverage within the West Australian yep. market. Yep. Uh, we think the Aussie Natural brand's a, a great brand. Yep. Uh, people seem to like it. Like you say, it's got a kind of simple kind of family feel to yep, it where yep. people walk in and they see the writing on the bottle on the shelf and they just figure it must be local. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the funny little things yeah. that happened to me one day, I'm one of the other times I'm standing in the water aisle and haven't been arrested, and I'm standing there <laughs> yeah. in the Coles aisle and um, uh, this guy comes up and I'm looking at him and he's looking at all the price points and I know that they're all our bottles that he's looking at. Yeah, okay. And eventually he picks up the Aussie Natural pack and I know it's about $2 more per pack. Okay. So he's walked off and I thought, I just can't let that go. So I walked down to the counter with him and go, <laughs> so mate, you like the Aussie Natural? He's like, yeah, I do. And he's sort of looking at me at this stage going, there's really got to be something going on here. <laughs> so, so just you have to tell me why'd you buy the Aussie Natural instead of the other ones that were cheaper? Yep. And he then said, "Well, I, you know, he said, why are you asking?" Was his first question. <laughs> I said, "Look, I'm part of the company, and I just really want to know why the Aussie Natural." And he said, "Well, I saw the name. I figured it had to be local, and <laughs> I wanted to give my support to the local guys yep. just because I thought I should." Yep. And I think that's the sort of feel we get with the Aussie Natural. Um, 
people do want to buy a cheap product these days. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's a lot of people that still want to support Australian products. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. Which, thank God, they with a brand like <laughs> Aussie Natural, you can't really be too mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, thank you, Tim, for doing round two with me. Thank you. There was a few different stories. There was. Some missing, though. There is a few things missing. Only ones that I will know. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was a few of them. Because we few. talked a lot about yourself. Because, um, I mean, you're a mad sportsman yourself. You've challenged yourself throughout your life from your BMXing as a kid. Yes, true. Through to true. ultra marathons in the, in the north. Yeah. And I still, look, I still love it today. And it's certainly the thing that... Um, uh, helps, you know, I mean, helps clear your mind, uh, healthy body, healthy mind. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And um, as much as I love to relax at the end of the day and have a glass of wine, some food, I know that challenging myself from a physical perspective helps me um, be less challenged from a mental perspective. Yeah, yeah. So I've ridden for uh, Youth Focus for the last few years, which is a charity raising money for kids. Yep. Yep. and uh, we've raised a lot of money over the course of the last nine years I've been there. Yep. Uh, but the one thing it has taught me is that um, that training I've discovered over the course of years has is kind of like interval training. Of course, Is yeah. part of what you do to... The further you go, uh, when you step back from that furthest point everything seems simple. <laughs> so I've always tried to push myself as far as I possibly can through ultra marathons and marathons and swims yep, yep. and uh, rock climbing and whatever it was because everything else seemed simpler before it. When you sit back, yeah. But unfortunately, it's always left me looking for the next thing that pushes me further. Okay. Which I was literally at 6.30 last night. Oh, okay. I sat down and I thought, right, in the next, for the rest of this month, for next year, I'm going to think of the the one thing that's going to challenge me physically in next year and the one thing that's going to challenge me uh, mentally next year. So I actually want to try and come up with the next two things that really kind of give purpose. Um, you know, something that makes me so uncomfortable to even think about now. Yeah. I want to try and work towards how I'm going to do it, whether it's a, you know, a, a long event of some type or something yeah. going back to back to study or something that's wow. going to mentally you've got an and itch. physically. You've got something that's going to get, um, get you to that next level. Yeah, yeah. It's a, a really, I mean, it's such a great philosophy because, I mean, I think as a, well, as a business owner, you, you can sit in your sort of easy place mm. um, or you can challenge yourself because you're not going to grow if you, don't, if you don't face that suffering or pain or whatever it's going to be. Absolutely. Um, you're not going to move forward. Yeah, and I think there's also, <clears throat> I think that uh, we sort of say this saying within um, uh, my forum, I've got a business forum I've been in for about 12 years, I suppose, um, through an organisation called EO and now another one called YPO. Yeah, okay. And within that group, we kind of have this saying of uh, those that suffer together stay together <laughs> because uh, it's the greatest bond that comes through people and tribes and... Yep literally yep. back from the dawn of time yeah is yeah. they uh, they had to stick together sleep together fight together hunt together yep. do whatever they had to so yep. we always talk about doing things that uh look we go and do things that are fun because yep. everyone just likes some entertainment yeah but we always talk about doing things that physically pushes to the other side yeah so that we can see what happens when we get there 
Yeah. And we know we've done event. I've done events with all of my forum guys before. Okay. And I still ride with um, three of them now, and I know that there's been days when I've been completely destroyed. One of them's helped me get home. Yep. There's been days I've crashed and ended up in hospital, and one of them's been there. And I know there's been days where, you know, I've been with mates that have pulled muscles halfway through, you know, 150k bike rides that I've helped literally push them home. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, <clears throat> we all sort of have this same philosophy now that if we all do things like that together that physically challenges, it'll be like the footy team. It, yep. it, yeah, yeah, it, it creates yeah. the bond. And yep. there's no other way to create that bond, uh, unfortunately, than probably through suffering creates yep. the greatest bond yep yeah so i'm trying to think of what's next <laughs> there's people around me that are very very anxious at the moment <laughs> yeah i can imagine there is because they're not quite sure is. what i'm going to come up with and they know that eventually i'm going to talk around to the fact it's going to be a really good idea doing this thing and they're going to be probably just encouraged to say yes can i hear everest calling or something like that or? it was always on my wish list everest yeah always but the thought of one in three you know, one in four dying, I think yep. it is. Yep. It's just too high odds. Like, I actually don't want to die. I yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I just, just want push to find yourself something physically, that's yeah. really hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know what it is. I don't think I can run anymore, so it's not an ultra marathon. So I'm not quite sure where I'm going to go next. Hmm. I have to have a bit of a think. Maybe podcast number three. Yeah, <laughs> we can talk about or find out what it is. After. What yeah. it is you've what it is you've done. But that's a really great way to finish off. And anybody out there listening. Um, push yourself push yourself to the limits whenever you can i mean in in day-to-day life i mean um because as you said like running a business you suddenly sit back and go it's actually not it's not as painful as it was when i was running an ultra marathon up north it's we don't know unless you get close yeah like that there's a uh, what's that saying that if you don't actually get close to the edge and understand what it's like when you're sitting there, yep. uh, everything feels like a challenge. You know, <laughs> sitting on the couch is probably a challenge for some people. <laughs> I think <laughs> so, yeah. You gotta get closer to the edge than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is too far away. Thank you, Tim. Round two. Pleasure, hope we covered some of the same stuff. There's a little bit less energy, I must admit. Yeah. <laughs> but that know. first chat was great, and uh, I'm gonna be very, um, it's in me. It's in me, <laughs> for me to listen to again in my head. But um, I thank you again for Taken, taken into part two and chatting about your business, chatting about yourself and your family. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll chat about the, uh, the next challenge when I can figure out what it is. <laughs> it's exciting. I can't wait to hear. I'm looking forward to it too. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thanks, bye. <laughs>